Good morning. I'm so excited to be here this morning. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity, the chance, the privilege to be able to bring something that has been on my heart for a while. This um, this journey of my life has been a crazy ride. <laughs> These last few weeks have reminded me of what I need to be grateful for, what I need to be um, appreciative of, what I need to recognize, and not only myself, but the lives around me, that um, things happen, but the Lord will use those things for the greater good because He loves us and He cares about us, and He'll do things behind the scenes that we'll never recognize but that delayed gratitude is what I'm working on having each and every single day of this life. Um, before we begin, before we begin uh, anything further, I would just like to be able to pray over us, to pray over uh, all of those that are um, watching this, to those that are not watching this, to the people inside the church crowd, to the people outside the church crowd, to the people in active addiction, to the people in recovery. Let us pray. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, I just come to you today with a grateful heart to be able to sit in your presence, to know that you are here, that you're doing things beyond what I can comprehend, Lord. I'm so glad that you're here, that you're still moving, that you're still faithful, that your comfort stays with me, that your joy is in my heart. Lord, at this time, I just lift up all of those that are hurting and broken in their lives right now, Lord. I just ask that you move, that you do the things that only you can do, Lord, that you heal the sick, that you do all the things you've done before and do it again and again and again, Lord. I just ask you and invite you into this place, into this uh this broadcast to Facebook, to Instagram, Lord, to Snapchat, to any social media outlet that's hearing this right now, Lord, to any ear that can hear the sound of my voice, Lord, I speak a blessing upon that life, that you lift your countenance upon them, Lord, that you be gracious to them, that you make your face shine upon them and give them peace in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm so excited to be able to start this up. This is day one of the real Jay Sizzle Drizzle. I guess I'm going to call it that for now because I don't have any other names. But if y'all think of a name, y'all drop a comment. Uh, I'm so excited that um, the Lord has provided this opportunity once again. I am grateful for everyone that's supporting this, to everyone that's uh, making this happen. Because without you, without the hand of God over you working in your lives, I would not be here right now being able to be grateful and joyful over the life that I've been given. Um, the Lord has really put it on my heart to share the story of uh, how he saved my life. To put it on these uh, outlets for someone to hear it. And I don't know who you are that needs to hear that Jesus still works today, but I'm glad that you're listening, whoever you are. The Lord has been speaking over my life since my birth. My birth was a complication. 
Um, I don't know that I should have made it in this physical world. Um, I was a premature baby, and uh, my dad used to tell me that my umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck. I don't know, because I, I don't remember it. Um, but I do know that the Lord spoke over my life from birth, that he saved me in that day. And um, there has been so much hurt in my life. But because of his grace, I made it out. Um, my family, my parents got divorced when I was young. Um, so that separation came about when I was maybe three or four years old. And I experienced my first form of abandonment when my dad left. I was not able to comprehend it at that age. But I realized that the pain was real. That the rest of my life, I would feel something missing. That things would never be the same as I thought they should have been. Um, but then again, the Lord moved. He was faithful. He was doing things behind the scenes. He, uh, he provided me with a father that came in. And I am so grateful for him. To, even to this day, married my mother in her distress and provided that little brother. And that little brother is still very important to me to this day. But he was my best friend and my big brother and my big sister. Um, we were a very, um, we're very attached to each other. Um, my big brother and I, we've had our feuds. But I'll tell you now, throughout everything that's happened, our relationship is closer now than it's ever been. Throughout, yeah, we have little check-ins nowadays, but we're grown up. Um, the Lord has provided a way for us to be able to connect, to reconnect, to amend our relationship. But, um, yeah, so my life, and I'm not telling you all this to tell you that it was all easy and fine and dandy. I went through a very, very rough period of uh, all these uh, issues coming up with rejection, abandonment. I was neglected as a child, abused. Um, I was very unstable in household and bouncing around so much. Um, but by the age of five, starting school, I started to learn that uh, maybe things weren't as they should be. That maybe um, the things that were spoken in my life were really affecting me. And uh, I went through several different counseling places and got put on medicines at a very young age. And um, I was told that I had a lot of problems, that the things that I was going through wasn't normal. And uh, I got put on like Adderall, uh, Risperdal, uh, Depakote. Uh, I, I mean, I went through so many di different medications as a young child. And I didn't even know what was going on. I couldn't comprehend what was going on in my life at the time. and But it was told that I was the problem. That things that were going on were me. I was the problem. Not the situation, not the circumstance, but me. So that was a very big form of rejection in my life. That I couldn't even comprehend yet. I thought the problem was me. So throughout a few years later, uh, different troubles in school, not wanting to go to school um, with different uh, 
instances happen with uh, parents, uh, my mom uh, getting upset with me and um, couldn't control my behavior. Things were going out of control in my life as a child. Um, so the punishments got worse. The yelling got worse. Um, situations got worse. And as my sister moved out of the house, uh, eventually my big brother did too. And I was about uh, nine years old whenever the first real instance of me realizing that things were in turmoil, things that I couldn't handle as a child happened. And um, I called my biological father and went and stayed with him for a while. Um, but he couldn't take care of me. He was not mentally there. Um, not providing any excuse for that. As And I believe firmly that if you're a father, be present in your child's life. Not because you can play God. Not because you are um, able to uh, control the life that's up ahead but so that you can be there, be present, be available for your child. As I'm telling you right now, there's days I look back and I could have used that. And yes, the Lord did provide that in several different circumstances. Through my stepfather, through people that were around me. Um, I, I have a dear childhood friend whose father bought me a Bible when I was nine years old. Um, and that father recently passed away. And my heart goes out to that family, but that it made such a big impact in my life. And I didn't realize that at the time that God's word had been sown into my life at that time, that the Lord was speaking over me in ways that I couldn't even comprehend. I couldn't fathom his love back then, but he was showing me through people that I was loved and cared about that things weren't what they seemed. So, as uh, my father realized that he couldn't take care of me and things came into play, um, I ended up getting taken into foster care because he couldn't take care of me. And I uh, went to a children's home or children's shelter in Corinth, Mississippi. And um, I was alone. I mean, things weren't as easy as they, in my mind, should have been for a child. So throughout that, my first experience of being alone with people I didn't know to being raised by people that I didn't know, that was scary. And I would cry at night, begging God, save me. I can't do this. Um, please put me back with my family. But Lord provided the way. I went to go stay with my stepfather for a little while. My mother ended up coming back in. Because, you know, just it's just one of them things. Um, I guess she missed her son <laughs> in her own way. And uh, so eventually it ended up where me and my mother were by ourselves. And it, it was a hard time. Uh, we ended up bouncing around a few more places in North Mississippi. And uh, eventually my mental health and her situational circumstances just added up. And we couldn't take any more. And the last day that I was with my mother at 11, or I was 12 years old, um, I got put in a mental home because I flipped out. 
and I was not able to control my actions. I blacked out and uh, things went haywire. But um, the situation and the circumstance led me to the hospital for a little while. And that's when I really felt my first source of real abandonment. I didn't think that anybody loved me at that point. Little did I know that the Lord was using these new circumstances to show me that someone cared about me. Because even when I was alone, even when I was alone, there was still someone there for me. Um, my best friend uh, at the time, Jake Spoon's family, decided, like, I think I'd been in a treatment facility for, like, a few months. It had been a while, but they decided that they wanted to take me into their home and show me love for the first time. And I am so grateful to this day for that family because not only did they provide a source of Jesus Christ in my life and spoke into my life about things, but they showed me what the love of a family is supposed to be, the love that I never knew before. And yeah, my biological family still tried. They, my big brother and big sister and stepdad and everyone was trying to speak into my life still, to try to still show me that they were there. But I was so distraught that I couldn't accept any love or uh, any unconditional circumstantial love at that time. I pushed myself so far away from people. I tried to do anything and everything to push people away because I was hurting. You ever heard that phrase, hurt people, hurt people? I was very hurt and I hurt people. Um, I couldn't take it um, at that time, even though the Lord was putting things in my life, family, love, friendship, fellowship, the church, family, things that were going on in my life. Um, but eventually my anger, my distress pushed that family away and they couldn't take care of me. So I went back into the foster care system for years to come. I stayed in until I was 17 years old. Um, so throughout all of that, what I'm, uh, what I'm leading up to is God provided another home for me at the Pineville Children's Home in Corinth, Mississippi. That's where I was taught some truths of the gospel, to be able to experience love outside of being alone. But because I was so hard-hearted at that time, I couldn't experience the truth of love. I experienced a legalistic belief because that's what knowledge provided me. Um, I couldn't experience the love of a father or a mother because I had pushed things so far out of perspective because of my own hurt. So this family, they loved on me. They took me out on things I would have never been able to experience with my biological family. But they did these things so that I would experience a life and live it abundantly. Um... So I met a girl <laughs> and experienced my first childhood, like, in love type thing. And I was like, ah, it's time to get adopted so I can move closer to her, you know. Uh, you know what they say about chasing women. But um, I made that choice when I was uh, 17 years old to be adopted because of that circumstance. And um, little did I know the Lord was moving behind the scenes. I ended up... Uh, 
they ended up uh, hearing from a family down in Meridian, Mississippi that had heard from the Lord saying that that's their son. And they found me. They were praying over me. They were blessing me from a distance. They were ready for me to come live with them. But I was still hurting. That's no excuse for the things that are to come. I'm telling you these things because I know that some of you are still hurting. But your hurt will hurt other people. So when I moved in with them, as distraught as I was, it only took one thing to flip a switch. One more thing of hurt. Me and that girl broke up. And it took a lot out of me. Um, to where I was laying in bed for days. Um, to where I was so distraught that I was yelling at my foster mother and um, yelling at my foster father and I couldn't I couldn't deal with anything so I shut down shut off um, that's when I really started venturing off into drug use um, when I went back to school I found a dude with Percocets and I found a dude with lure tabs I got my wisdom teeth removed just a few like a month before to break up and um, I was taking Percocets and I was popping them straight out of the bottle. My foster family tried to monitor it, but they were gone to work a lot. So I just eat them and I'll get stupid high and lay in my bedroom for days. And um, that's when I really got into like manipulating people. I'd get online and start uh, conversations and just create a complete facade about myself lie to different women to get their attention and just I kept on going and going and going um, until eventually I found Delotted and uh, the dude that showed me Delotted told me there's only one way to do it and that was with Needle and right that was right before my senior year before uh, before the summer I shot up for my first time and I I realized how bad of a mistake it was because of how I felt after the high was gone. So with all of that being said, um, you know, these, these hurts and things in my life, there were no excuse to start a drug use cycle. There were no excuse to hurt other people. There was no excuse. This is just from my perspective of the things that happened. And the reason, like I said before, the reason why I tell you these things is because I know what hurting inside can do to you and other people. Those hurts, those poisons that are inside your heart, they'll stay forever if you let them. But I'm telling you right now, there's a Lord, a God above all things that wants you to experience healing, that wants you to experience a life and live it abundantly throughout everything in your life. He wants you to see that there's another side to this story. And the cool thing is, I've had revelation about my whole life to know why I'm here today, to find my purpose in Jesus Christ. Throughout this drug addiction that I drug myself from the time of 17 years old all the way till 2019, there was a reason why I went through that. There was a reason why I blocked out the Holy Spirit because I was angry at God for not doing what I wanted Him to do. 
I was so distraught with the Lord because he wasn't there to perform for me. I thought God was this person that did what I wanted him to do. And if he didn't, then he wasn't real. That's what I thought in my heart, that he was the God that provided, that he did anything. But that's not who God is. Our God is sovereign. He's never changing. He stayed with us from the very beginning till the end. He didn't create this this world to be broken. He didn't create us to be broken. But I'll tell you this. God weeps with us every time we experience brokenness. Throughout all the abandonment I had experienced throughout my childhood to the, the discord of self-destruction that I created in myself, from the time 2012 all the way to 2019. That was me. That was me creating brokenness. There was sin nature that I didn't completely understand at the time. I didn't understand that hurt was real at the time. I didn't didn't understand that um, this was a broken world. I, I figured it out. I mean, I figured that things weren't the way that they were supposed to be. But it was never supposed to be like this. So this addiction that I went through pushed so many people away, pushed my family away, pushed my friends away. I lost everything so many times that it wasn't even funny. But I'll tell you this, God provided some people inside of my addiction that eventually helped save my life. Um... There's a woman that I call mom to this day that completely like showed me unconditional love throughout my addiction, throughout the times I spent in jail, throughout me having warrants to uh, me even taking money from her, uh, begging for money day in and day out for months straight to provide my addiction. And she... You know, I told her uh, when I made amends with her that all the money that she sent, I spent on heroin or uh, dope or whatever I could get my hands on, um, just spending money. I mean, it was it was ridiculous when I added all the money up that I had spent on dope. Um, but the Lord provided that person in my life to be able to show me that there is a way, that there is a truth, and there is a life outside of this hurt. On October the 13th, um, I realized that my life had completely spiraled out of control. And we go back to the first step in AA, um, accepting that, you know, things were, <laughs> I was not in control of my addiction anymore. I just been hit with Narcan a few days earlier and uh, after an overdose on heroin, so I couldn't get high on my supply anymore, and the heroin had left my system. So I took uh, a bunch of meth, and uh, I was spun out of my mind for a few days, and I ended up on Tyndall Sound in Panama City with a gun in my mouth, crying out to God, because I didn't have anybody else to cry to. I lost everything, sent my last dime to the mother of my son, and I was done. I was going to kill myself on that bridge that day with a gun in my mouth. 
I screamed out to God just one final time while I was screaming the trigger, Lord, save me from myself. And that stillness hit my heart. That comfort hit my heart for a moment, just one moment. And I felt the Lord with me, a comfort that I had never experienced before, almost as if he was there in that moment on that bridge while I was contemplating suicide. And I heard it, not in the audible, nothing like that, but I felt it deep within me, the call mom. And in that time, when I called my mom, she I texted her first, but she answered almost immediately. It's like the second ring. Honey, are you okay? What's going on? I'm worried about you. I'm here for you. And I broke down. I said, Mom, I have lied to you for years. My addiction has spiraled out of control, and I don't know what to do any longer. <laughs> and the craziest thing happened. She said, hold up, let me call you back. Hangs up. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? But anyway, she gets a hold of a guy uh, named, uh, well, I'm not going to say his name. He's my sponsor now. But uh, she got a hold of him, and he was in Cumming, Georgia, and I was all the way down in Panama City with no place to go, nothing to do. And uh, the Lord provided uh, answers within him within uh, his connections to be able to help me into a place to start my recovery. Um, so this guy, this random guy came and picked me up from uh, a job site uh, and I left everything behind except for like a change or two of clothes. And uh, he got me food. He got me a place to sleep and he said, you know, just take it easy. He didn't think I was going to make it. Like He thought I was going to end up leaving and relapsing and I just knew right then the Lord had a tug on my heart that I had never had before. And a lot of people will call that being born again. And yes, the Lord saved my life in that day on that bridge, all alone with a gun in my mouth, ready to die. And I believe that man died that day, that the old Jacob passed away to become someone that was in the Lord's love. A whole new creature because I have never been the same like even the old things that I used to love they're not the same anymore since that day um, but this dude took me in his house for three days or this job site house thing that he was creating for three days and um, so I, I tried to work and I almost ended up passing out on a roof because I was detoxing and I ended up laying down, and then uh, my sponsor came all the way from Cumming, Georgia, to come pick me up. And we had no idea what was next. We had no clue where we were about to go. We didn't have any idea what program or anything I was about to do. But he told me, I have faith. He said, I know the Lord is going to provide and we're just going to go by faith on this one. Let's drive all the way back to Georgia. Like a nine-hour drive all the way back to Georgia. I'm where I don't know. I'm uncomfortable. I'm going on a ride with someone I don't even know. And he's talking to me the whole time. 
and I'm I'm still detoxing, so I'm like, dude, I don't even want to hear this. And I was talking all sorts of nonsense. I don't even act all high and mighty like he was, uh, you know, talking crap or nothing like that. He was uh, <laughs> he was providing some truth to me that I just couldn't hear at the time. But um, you know, looking at you know the travel up, okay. Um, I was going completely by faith on this one. I was not ready for this. And all I didn't know what I was going into when I asked the Lord to save me from myself. He provided the people to be able to realize what myself was. So um, we talked about this place called the Jericho House. And um, I was like, nah, let's go. I went to a program back in 2015 called the Home of Grace. And uh <laughs> I thought about going back there. And he, he kept on telling me, he was like, why would you go back? Why would you do this again? You've already done this. So why are you trying to go back where you came from? And I'm like, man, because I'm comfortable with it. And he said, I think you need to get out of your comfort zone. Oh, I didn't take that too well. But um, he did something that I didn't expect. You know, I had a, a few pairs of clothes and stuff like that and a few few things to help me last through it. But he took me by the Coming Home Thrift Store, and uh, I was able to get new clothes. New. He took me by Walmart, got me some boots and some supp- supplies to last me for the next year. Because I didn't know the Jericho House was a year-long program before I got there. I thought it was going to be like three months and out. No, it was a full year-long um, but the craziest thing happened. The reason why I wanted to go back to the home of grace is because there's a man there by the name of Kevin Mumford that uh, told me something before I left the home of grace. He said, um, he told me something like, um, I think that if you leave here at this time, you're going to relapse because of your sneaky behaviors. Cause I was sneaking around and dipping and, uh, just being stupid at the home of grace. Um, and he told me that in sheer like confidence because uh, he knew. And he told me that. And that type of honesty is what I needed in recovery. But when I got to the Jericho house, I knock on the front door, and out comes Kevin Mumford. And I thought he was at the home of grace. So that was the sign from the Lord that that's where I needed to be. He greeted me with the biggest hug ever, and that's what I experienced like when I think about uh, Jesus Christ welcoming me home into heaven, I think of that that wide arm hug, saying "Welcome home," and that's what was provided to me in that day. Well, anyway, I know this is a lot, um, you know, but I'll tell you, this is the good news of it all. The Lord provided; He was faithful. He knew what He was doing, even when I didn't know what was going on. He knew. He, like, I, I can't even fathom that love to do things before I was even willing. Because I shouldn't be here right now. I should not be here right now. Should not be where I'm at right now. I shouldn't be experiencing the love that I do today. Because what did I do to deserve this? I pushed people away that I loved, that I cared about. Then the Lord provided an outlet, a sanctuary, a safe place for me to be able to look at myself, to realize why I was hurting these people. And like I said before, there was no excuse for me to hurt people. There was no excuse for me to be the way I was. 
But there was every reason for me to invite the Lord in to say, hey, I need healing because I'm broken, Jesus. I'm broken, Lord. And I need you in this moment. I need you in this day. I need you in my circumstances. I need you in the worst parts of me. And I need you to be here in the best parts of me because I cannot do it alone anymore. I've been through this all alone for so long that I was so sick and tired of being alone. And when I invited the Lord in that day, I was never alone again. (laughs) And I'm still not alone. I went through some of the hardest times getting real with myself. And a bunch of you at the Jericho house can testify to that. Uh, A bunch of people can testify to how hard it was for me to get real. I was living in a facade for so long, acting like I was some type of big deal. I was so selfish. I made myself my own divinity and didn't even know what that was. I made myself my uh, little G God because I thought that I had control. Eventually it came around that I was at war with myself. And that I was still at war with myself and I wouldn't put down my weapons. And that was so true. When I heard that that day, I fought against it. I was like, no, I'm not at war with myself anymore. And my mentor pointed it out. Yeah, I was. I was at war with myself and I could not stop the battle because I wouldn't just say, Jesus, this is your fight. I'm tired of fighting this fight because... It's not about me anymore. So when I got real with myself, the Lord really opened some doors for healing. And I was taught something valuable. Even to this day, it sticks with me. The Holy Spirit does three things in our life. He comes to expose. Then He convicts us about it. And then He heals us about it. But those three things are followed by a response. You know, when the Holy Spirit exposes something to us, it's our responsibility to recognize that. To be able to say, yes, Lord, I know that's a flaw in my life that I need to just get rid of, to surrender. Or we can do what I was doing for years and deny it. Nah, I ain't got no problems. I'm doing just fine. Uh, I don't hurt on the inside. I don't I don't have any problems that are weighing me down. <laughs> or we can repent. Or we can uh, accept it. Then the ex- Holy Spirit convicts us of that thing. He says, this is not right to yourself. You're hurting yourself. This is hurting other people. Why well, continue on this way? Or we can look at that as self-condemnation. Oh, we're hurting people. We're so sorry. We're, we're terrible people for doing that. But if we accept that conviction, our hearts turn to repentance. We're like, yes, Lord, I realize those things. I need to change my life. I need to change the things that are pushing people away, that are you know, trying to draw close to me, but I keep on pushing and pushing. But if we repent of those things, the Holy Spirit comes to heal us. And that is the most beautiful thing about this story that I just told you. 
about my testimony of how Jesus Christ saved me. It's because the Holy Spirit exposed some things in my life. And I recognized them. He convicted me. And I repented of my ways. And I'm st- don't get me wrong. I'm still in the process of sanctification. It's never going to end. Healing is a process. It's not just a one and done. And then as a uh, response to our repentance, the Holy Spirit will heal us. And that's where our hearts feel gratitude. Where our hearts get thankful. Where our worship becomes real because we're grateful. That's pure and devout worship right there. Is when you recognize the healing of the Lord. I can tell you all day little things that the Lord showed up in in my life that he healed me of, that he strengthened me through, that he carried me through, through suicides all throughout my life, me being a suicidal. Uh, I was very suicidal at a young age and even all the way up into my uh, young adult life. But the Lord has healed me, and I'm so grateful that I don't think about ending my life today. Because now I have a life worth living. Now I have a life full. Now I have a life that's worth living. Because it's not only abundant. And it's hard. Trust me. This life is hard. Don't ever think that this life is just something that's a pass-through, that is so easy, that things are fine and dandy. You're going to be hit with hard times. But... The Lord is faithful over you. He's watching you. He's caring for you. And, you know, it may sound like a bunch of butterscotch and sweets on top of a, a pile of crap. But you invite him into that pile of crap and watch what he makes it. Because I'll tell you right now, I was a person without hope. And the Lord changed my whole outlook on life. Nothing's ever been the same since that day I surrendered to Jesus Christ and his love. And I entitled this Monday Gratitude because I am so grateful to be alive today. I'm so grateful that I can share what Jesus Christ has done for me. Because I want people to be able to know that this life is worth living. That there's no chains that can hold you from experiencing the same thing. There's none. There's absolutely no stronghold that's fictitious. The facade that you live in thinking everything's going to be alright is wrong. Because this is a broken world. But guess what Jesus does with broken people? He moves in their life. He fixes things. He restores the broken. He comes close to the brokenhearted and those who are tormented. He doesn't forsake you. He loves you more than anything in this world. And I love you. You know, whoever's watching this video, if you if you have anything that you need to get off, my inbox is always open. My profile is public for a reason I'm here for you the Lord is here for you if you need intercession I will stand in that gap for you because that love that he's poured upon my heart that he did for me 
can be given to you through me. And like I said, I'm not the big deal anymore. But he that is in me, Christ that is in me, is such a big deal. He can do all things. He will do all things. He has already fulfilled all things. His love is waiting for you. And I will be too. Day in, day out, night, call, whatever you need. I am here. But most of all, the Lord our God is here for you. I want to thank you for this time that I was able to share with you the story of my life. The story of a life that was broken, that Jesus Christ saved. Now, I just want to be able to pray over y'all before we leave and be able to speak a blessing because that's what we're here for. This is a ministry of prayer. This is a ministry of healing. This is not a ministry to glorify myself because nothing I said will glorify me. (laughs) I just made myself out to seem like I was a bad person because I told you my story. Now, the enemy will try to say that there's things going on, but the Lord will always tell you that there's healing on the other side because that's what the Lord does. He's not here to tell you bad things. He's not here to pervert your mind. That's the enemy. Satan is the king of perversion. Remember that. Anyway, done with my preaching and my sermonettes. I hope y'all have the greatest day of your life today. It's a Monday. I know it's hard for a lot of people. So as we close out this session, I pray that the Lord blesses you and keeps you. Makes his face shine upon you. And he lifts his countenance upon you. Gets gracious to you and gives you peace. In Jesus' name, y'all have a great day.